Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the miniatures gaming podcast. So I think a while back, you and some of our other friends were watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, yep. And you kept talking about it. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I better watch some of it because it sounded pretty good. So I started watching it. Yeah, we probably it. talked it up too much, but yeah, go on. <laughs> well, talked it up a lot. So I started watching it. It was pretty entertaining. But then uh-huh. I, I don't know how many seasons there were, but it just started. A infinite number. Yeah, there's, they're on th- season six, I think, right? or four or five. Uh huh. Like there's always another JoJo. This yeah never ends. So at some point it's like oh, I think I've had I think I've had my fill of this. But did you guys watch yeah. all the way through it? Uh, or like up to the point it reached at that time? I did end up finishing it. I think we we, we didn't watch it all at the same time. We watched it initially, mm-hmm. a bunch of the seasons, and then we finished number. We went to number three, and then I finished number three, mm-hmm. and I was done. Honestly, the reason why is because season three is not as good as season two. Although everyone thinks season three is better, but like the main character is boring as fuck in number three. Like he's so fucking lame and boring that it just didn't retain that excitement for me. There's a lot of filler too, I felt. Yeah, so for those who haven't watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it's basically an anime where the protagonist is a ridiculously buff dude who descends from a bunch of other ridiculously buff dudes and he goes goes off and fights a bunch of other badasses. Yeah, a bunch of other ridiculously buff dudes. Yep, so that's that's the summary of the show, and it just keeps going like that. Yeah, number so, two, I think, was the best. It, ha- it had the best plot and structure, and it didn't it didn't feel like there was a lot of filler, and it didn't try to be too clever. Although I didn't read... I, I read a little bit of, of a couple of other ones. They never... None of the other ones really caught me. Yeah. Apparently, so, there's one about... That's a murder mystery that's pretty good, mm-hmm. but I didn't watch it. I thought it was not that interesting. Yeah, well... Well, what what game do you think JoJo's Bizarre Adventure reminds me of? Um, the game we're going to be talking about, Warhammer Forty Thousand. Ninth edition, specifically, yes. Because that game goes on forever and ever, and it also peaked a long time ago, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh huh. Actually, I gotta say, it's actually very similar because, uh, okay, uh. Apparently, the best JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is actually number six or seven. Seventh season. The seventh, yeah, the seventh series. Okay. Anyway, you're talking it, it about does the... not have that boring Jotaro guy. I don't know why people like Jotaro, but like Jotaro is the boring guy who's just like a steely face, just normal, like quote unquote badass. Okay. His coolest part is that he does the kind of thing whenever he punches. But <laughs> yeah, there's lots of cool shit, like lots of weird, crazy shit yes. happens in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But his storyline is kind of boring. Whereas uh, I, I feel like there's like number six or seven. It's about like I think it's called Steel Ball Run. I was reading through that. That was not bad. So you're talking about reading the the manga as opposed to watching the anime now? Yeah, the, the Steel Ball Run hasn't been turned into a uh, series, uh, an anime yet. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So. I'm not going to go back and pick it up and all that. <laughs> so, on to, back to our topic of picking a game up or not picking a game very, up. Very, very similarly, Warhammer 40,000, I have dived in and out of uh, the series 
And uh, when eighth happened, I kind of dived back in, right? You were actually playing number uh, seventh, right? Did you play seventh or you only played sixth? No, I played a bunch of fifth and then, then stopped. You stopped in sixth? I never played sixth, nope. Oh, okay. And unlike you, I rage quit and sold off all my minis, whereas you <laughs> continued collecting things. So you have a yeah, pretty... Yeah. So you have a pretty big sized collection of orcs and Eldar. So we had miniatures to play the game with, and we played a yeah, full yeah. 2,000 point game with them. Yeah, so basically we came back and we're like, you know what? We dive back in and out, right? And then, so just because this is such a venerable, uh, what do you call it, a game series, we had to try out, test out, just taste on the tip of our tongue, ninth edition, which is the latest version. Because there's been a lot of, I guess, strong feelings about ninth. A lot of um, negative feelings, I'd say, out in general about the commu- from the community. But a lot of people that are, are are kind of more positive, right? I feel like, to me, I feel like the the positive is is a lot of you know like people who are just heavily invested. But I think we're getting the cart before the horse, so. Let's talk about, in general, about the game and why we, well, I guess the, we, I said why we, we tried ninth, but, like, what about the what? What about ninth edition? What about it? So how do I feel it compares to playing in fifth? Okay, sure, fifth. Well, you, well, did you never play eighth? No, I never played eighth. Oh, I, so I got suckered, and I played eighth. Because when it just released, it was actually like they redid the entire system. It's an entirely brand new system. So just like, you know, we started the game in second edition. And then first and second edition were similar. And then they changed an entirely new system for third. And that to me was like quite good for the army scale game that it, it, it became. And then the games got bigger and bigger, right? And then you played fifth and then it got even bigger and became sixth and seventh. And then during eighth, they redid the entire system once more, and they kind of suckered me in. They're saying, you know what, we're going to clean up all this kind of bullshit, and the game is going to be better than ever. And I had stopped playing Warhammer 40,000. I'd even stopped playing for a while, and I was just like, you know what? I had just recently finally finished my work army, because, you know, once I stopped playing, I started painting my models very, very, very slowly. Uh, and so at around 8th, I had finished, like, uh, whatever, 2,000-point army. And so I was like, you know what, I'll try this out. And when it just came out, it was quite, it was quite fun, I'd say. Uh, with basically they redid because it's an entirely new system. They had to redo all of the armies and the army lists. And there was some straight conversion, which I wasn't really happy about because um, there was a lot of in the old game there was this problem of like power creep. Where the weapons and then were way too powerful because the, the, every new weapon had to be stronger than the last to make it like, you know, be cool and exciting. But to balance that out, every new unit had to be tougher than the last to make them even tougher and cooler and excitinger. And so you had this like armor versus guns kind of uh, uh, creep, power creep, yeah. and and uh, arms race. And then eighth edition. They had a chance to clean that all up, but they kind of did, but they didn't do it fully. So there was still they just straight converted all the OP weapons and all the OP armor. 
Um, but overall, like when you played, they they released these index that you could play, right? With with they had the rules for all the all the uh, armies, and, and the game was actually pretty fun and, and overall balanced. And it felt like they had play tested the game, right? And they played through it, and they're like, you know what? These armies are decent, right? Yeah, they've and got then, all the rules in one place. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You had all the rules in one place. Everything was balanced. Everything was, a, was cleaner. And, you know, there's a change of the rules additions. There were some good things and some bad things. And we'll get to that when we talk about Ninth as well, um, because a lot of it is the same. Um, but then they started releasing codexes, and the power creep just, like, shot up like a, a rocket. Yeah, well, that, that's pretty much what we have expected from Games Workshop and 40K since its inception. Well, not every codex was a hit. Sometimes there were powerful mm-hmm. codexes, and sometimes they were like, oh, this codex is underpowered. But there would always be a cycle of like <laughs> if something the, new. If the became... codex is balanced, oh, this is what a cheap, underbalanced yeah. codex. We were hoping this, this my army was going to be extra powerful. Mm-hmm. Can't, I'm not even going to buy the models. Screw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to throw out my army and get a new one. Yeah. That's not what made me get rid of my army. Anyhow, we'll get to that. Yeah, so. Between third to seventh, because it was basically the same rules set, uh, when they released a new edition, you could still use your old codexes for the old edition, even though oftentimes every single edition had a a different kind of general idea of what the game should have been, and so the codexes would reflect that, and they would be different. And so when you're playing from an old edition's codex, it just didn't feel right. Occasionally they were too powerful, but mostly they were just too weak. And they didn't do the same thing because, you know, the the, the changes to the system made old order code, older codexes worse. Right? Yeah, they didn't make use of the new rules. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that, you had that kind of codex kind of creeping uh, issue. Um, and so at fifth, you said you rage quit. Why did you stop playing? For me, I stopped playing because I basically I just took some time off and I was... Well, I went to university. I think most people kind of stop because there's so many things going on during university. Mm-hmm. Uh, but afterwards, uh, I I just you know we had a bunch of other things we were doing. You know, going out and, and alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> it nice. became a became an all encompassing hobby. And then after that, you know, I was starting started uh, did some traveling, and so during that time, I couldn't really do miniatures. Whereas you kept on playing, and that's where you were playing fifth, right? Yeah, I was playing fifth during summers during university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you tell me why did you uh, why did you stop playing? Because the game was completely unmanageable to try and set up a game and try and play through a game. And we we started playing okay. War Machine at that point. We're like, oh, this game is playable. That's a long models. time after. That's 2010, man. Yeah, that's when I got rid of my armies at that point. I'd stop so, playing, so, and at that point, I realized that there was other games. So it was just too hard to get a game in, just to assemble everything, to get to, to bring them to the... Uh, we didn't actually, even before that, we didn't actually really go to stores, right? We only organized it with friends. Yeah, that's right. And it may have been because I started acquiring other models for other systems. It's like there's no space to keep this anymore. It's just... Mm. Once I started acquiring more and more mini stuff, it's like, this has got to go. This is not going to be played. This game's not playable. So I can't just show up to this. being responsible, unlike me, who I'm a hoarder, and I just have tons of models. I have a whole room where it's just, like, boxes of <laughs> miniatures that I eventually will get to, but not actually. Yeah, I just thought it was unreasonable to try and show up at a game store to, A, physically bring the models, and then, B, get through a game. It's like, this this game doesn't do that, so it's gone. Yeah, the game was too big, there's too many models, and so the games end up being too long, right? Mm-hmm. 
Because at and that point, then, yeah. Because the game is expensive. Like, let's not forget that. But at that point, we're both working, so it's like okay, and we, we both have, bought in, right? We both had armies already. Oh yeah, we had right? the base. So it's not like assembled you had to, over years. Yeah. So it's not like you were starting from nothing. You had like eighty percent of an army, and you could just sort of upkeep new stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, that that wasn't the issue. Yeah. Instead, we just spend a ton of money on new games. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it, was, it was fun. Um, and I guess this this other thing that happened at that time is we because of these new games that were much smaller in terms of size, we started playing. We started going around like playing with the play it painted rule, which is you don't play it if it's not painted. Right? Yeah, that's generally it was the house rule basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not it wasn't it wasn't the house rule for the house. It was the house rule for us, mm-hmm. right? Whenever we played, and because of that. Going and buying a new army or even buying new units for 40k is a big pain in the butt because they're they're units. The scale is so much bigger, right? So you have this scale issue where there's just too many models. And if even if you want to play you like with a new unit, you have to paint 10 models, which is almost the entire an entire army for infinity, right? For these skirmish level games. So it just became a big pain in the ass. Yeah, we were playing War Machine at that point, and 50 guys in the War Machine is a lot of guys. So mm-hmm. 10 guys represents a big part of a War Machine army, too. Yep. And um, on top of that, I guess there was we did start playing at, at, at game stores, so the terrain issue was not as big of a deal. Um, but if you play at home, like you painted all of your models. You want your terrain to also look nice, right? So that you have a battlefield and everything. Like that, and a set, and painting your terrain is also a huge project in and of itself, unless you rush it. Um, so that just every single barrier has like more and more barriers, right? And so for us playing like eighth or ninth, right, it became uh, a big deal to play those games until I basically just had so much terrain from from infinity actually that i'm like oh you know what i can fill a a four by six table which is what uh 40k needs right it's an even bigger table right and you're just talking about area right if you have enough terrain for a four by four game right four by six is another 50 percent more terrain on top of that right it's only it seems like not that much but it's actually quite a lot more terrain than that so just just the entire logistics of playing this game was super annoying however I've been collecting miniatures for a very long time, so I got there. <laughs> yep. So I have, like, two full armies, like, uh, pretty decently sized armies, 2,000, 3,000 point armies for, um, I guess my, my orcs are, like, 5,000, but for uh, Eldar and orcs. So we could, and, and like I said, we had all this terrain, uh, so we could actually play a game of nine. Actually, we could play a game of eight. We did play it, and I'm pretty sure that's one of our old podcasts about our our thoughts about 8th. We we played 3.8. We combined 3rd edition and 8th edition, actually. No, we, we, we played 3rd. Oh, we just played 3rd. We played 3rd, okay. and then I'm pretty sure we played 8th as well. Nope. What? Really? Because I, I can talk about the changes I like from 8th to 5th. Because I haven't I have never had experience them before that. 9th to 5th. Oh my god, I love this. All right, let's do it. 
I thought we were going to talk about... I thought we had already done 8th. I think we talked about 8th, but like mm-hmm. you never actually played it. Okay, wow, this is amazing. Yep. I love it. So what? So you're playing an entirely new system now, right? You're like, mm-hmm. okay, you know what? So like none of the stuff... Like all of the stuff is new to you. All the different rules. So when well, you were prepping for this game, did it take a long time to read the rules and everything like that? A little bit. Part of it from playing Necromunda was basically refreshed. So mm-hmm. in the current Necromunda rules, they're based more around the new version of how the, the strength and toughness rules work. So in uh-huh. the old editions, you'd have this giant stupid table where you'd have mm-hmm. to relate the strength of the weapon to the toughness of the model. Whereas mm-hmm. now they're just like, okay, is it more or is it double or is it less or is it half? And so mm-hmm. I've already seen that in Necromunda. I liked it and I liked it in this version. I was expecting mm-hmm. the, so I, I was expecting oh, that man. one coming in. That one's great. Okay. So yeah, let's let's go through yeah. So yeah, what else? What else, other changes did you find were amazing? The if other, you're an old grognard, you're playing this old game, and you're like, hey, should I try out ninth? Here's here's some of the benefits. Hey, yeah, keep yeah. going. Yep. And the other is the blast template rule. So playing back in fifth, it's like, oh god, every time I move these models, I have to space mm-hmm. them out perfectly so oh they don't god, get templated yeah. and all die. And now they've there. just now they've made it, like I had to read through all the rules about, okay, you have this many guys, here's the minimum number of wounds they take when they get with Blast. It's it's easy to learn, and it cuts out all the stupid fiddling that you would do in that game mm-hmm. back in 5th edition. Spacing or, your guys. You didn't think that was great strategic brilliance for spacing out your guys perfectly? As a net, yeah. so that they, they don't get hit by Blast markers or, or Flamer templates? I do it in Infinity, and it's just considered like a baseline. It's it's not even like you just do it. You but with I mean? Infinity, you have so few models. You have like twelve models. It's not as big of a deal. Yeah, you're literally like worrying about three or four models in the whole game, making sure you space them out, or you just don't be an idiot yeah. and clump them all. Anyhow. Yeah. Okay. What so other was... things did you find were cool? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not... We're not. We said we were probably not. We said if this is like a TV series, we're never gonna. Fi- I'm never gonna finish. So let's let's not give it too much credit. No, 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 okay. So I I will give more from okay. from fifth edition. So I never played fifth, but I did play third and, and a bit of fourth. Yeah, it wasn't too um, fifth isn't that different than fourth. I liked the morale rules. Oh, when did that change? They changed in eighth and they changed again in ninth. So I did actually like those morale rules. Yes, I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot how so you guys were just so the new morale rules. So the old morale rules in third to like seventh is that if you failed, you retreated, right? And then you you have to try and succeed on your will on on a roll to to come back into the game, right? But yeah. then if you get if you run into an enemy and you retreat, then you get wiped out. And then also if you failed a melee attack and then you rolled below. The, the attacker's initiative, then you also get wiped out. Yeah, and if you, make, you get reach, routed, right? If you reach the edge of the board, you just leave. Yeah, if you reach the edge of the board, or in melee, you I think you rolled a d6 and you added your initiative. And then if yours was lower than the attackers mm-hmm. who had routed you, or technically the defender could win, right? So then the winner uh, who routed you, then you also get wiped out. I'm pretty sure that was the old rules. And then maybe you don't remember because you're Space Marines. Instead, Space Marines took wo- – instead of just getting wiped out, you ended up taking wounds instead. 
Yeah, that's probably why I don't remember that rule so much because I was playing Space Marines. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, that was a thing. It, it happened to me yeah, as, as Eldar, so that that was that was the issue. Um, and so the new one, I actually really really like this. It's basically you have some sort of negatives, right? If you take wounds, then you you get negatives based on the number of people who died, and then if you fail, then you roll a d6 for every single guy there, and they run away. Right, and I like this kind of thing because um, it feels like you still have the routing, but it's like one sixth or one third, depending on if you got really badly routed on a bad situation, you'll get one third of the guys disappearing. But because it's every model, it affects your your large infantry blocks and your small infantry blocks like kind of evenly, right? It's like the same percentage of models are running away, right? And it's a lot better than eighth, where eighth was like you lost a number of units based on how much you failed to roll by, which was super punishing to large uh, blocks of infantry because large blocks of infantry, by the fact that, you know, virtue of being large, they're generally easier to kill. So each guy who dies becomes a negative to your roll. And then, and so that means that when you run away, a larger block of them would run away. Right. Um, So it actually was way more punishing for them than like smaller kind of smaller groups, which didn't make a lot of sense. So this one now is just like if you fail, like there is still some sort of negatives because, uh, you know, there is still a negative for the initial roll if you have a large block of infantry, but you kind of balance it out where you have a lot more guys. So even though you lose one six, there's still a lot of guys there to like take wounds and soak up and give all the other benefits, right? So I did find that overall the 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 morale system I, I really liked it it's also a lot less fiddly than like trying to run away and then just remember that kind of stuff it's just like you're moving guys right so i did I, I and it did make it feel like you know people are breaking and running away and stuff like that without having all of this extra extra stuff going on although you don't have like the fun of rallying your guys and getting them back into the fight i thought overall in terms of elegance and in terms of making it feel right i thought it was really quite good it's the the best morale rules i think uh 40k has had yeah because you can still play an objective based mission and if your guys fail the morale you're not just going to lose the whole objective for sure you're going to lose yeah. you're going to lose your ability to hold it but yeah. you don't one just six or one lose. third or something like that of you guys, don't lose right? everything yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then the smaller it is like the harder it is for you to break another one because right but yeah it's it's it was quite it's quite good i thought um, it also changes because I think in eighth, because it was so punishing, because um, you just start losing guys right if you fail. Um, they gave so many people fearless basically, which means like so many people just ignored the morale rules because they're like, well, if you don't more, oh, ignore the morale rules, you're just gonna lose because every single time they break, they're just gonna disappear, right? Yeah. So in the new one, because it's not as punishing, it's like that sweet spot. It seems like at least the armies we use, and I check space marines as well, like morale is actually still a thing. It still affects the battle. You still want to break people so they lose guys, but it's not like it's not so punishing that you have to. They have to write rules to ignore it <laughs> because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I thought overall, I think I, I thought that was like probably to me between eighth and ninth, it was the best thing um, there. All right. Um, I have another thing that's actually quite good that happened in ninth um, is that they shrunk the board size. Yeah, I noticed that. So it's a custom board size. Yeah. So uh, so it's now 44 by 60 inches, which is like 
under, it used to be four by six, four six feet by six feet. Now it's under four feet to five feet, which is a significant drop in size, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is great because 44 by 60 actually fits on a lot more dining room tables. So for people to play who don't have a committed space, like in a, a game store, it's a lot more likely that you will have space to actually play this game at home. Yeah, and you can even, if you have the 4x6, you now have some sideboard space to put your guys who died, to put your books, to put dice, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So even if you had that size, whereas, and 4x5, it's enough. Like, the game is already made in a way that you're not supposed, like, there's not a lot of maneuvering that matters in the game. (laughs) There's some, definitely, but like... Your setup it's matters, not, but then I'm not yeah. sure that because there's so many guys on the board and it's so congested. Unless you've got fast stuff, of course, it's mm-hmm. kind of you you set it and you just choose how fast you advance. Yeah, I guess I guess you can say that the four by six gives you more room to like go around people, but there's not really any benefits to flanking people. And no, there is some for ter- for terrain, right? Like if you can get people out of terrain then there's some benefits to flanking people. But unlike a lot of other games which have, like, facings and things like that, 40k removed that so that flanking is not nearly as important. It's mostly about target priority and just having fun with special rules. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and way so, back in the day when there was, like, arm different armor values on vehicles for the facing, mm-hmm. that was... It was entertaining, kind of, but once and it once mattered. We, yeah, I know. It mattered a lot. But once we got into actually playing, you realize that just because sometimes you need to position your miniature so it's not like smacking into terrain, you sometimes mm-hmm. put your guy a different direction. It just the new version is much more flexible with that. Yeah. So yeah, the new one is like it's a different game, it's a different kind of style of game. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it feels a lot more like a card game. Okay. Uh, than the old version. I feel like maneuvering mattered a lot more in the you know third to, to fourth and fifth than in this new game. Not that it doesn't matter at all in the new one, especially for holding objectives, but like the old game had holding objectives too, right? And then it had like, because of the... Funny enough, although I like the morale rules a lot, it fits this style of game, right? But... The old morale rules actually encouraged you to get behind someone because you could even still wipe out people or injure them by getting behind them. If they fail the morale and they go into you, you they get wiped out, right? Yeah, even or if they I have think, good morale. I think Space Marines just took damage. Did, oh, did Space Marines still get wiped out? They might have still got wiped out. They might have. Okay. Because they still fall back, but they immediately rally. So mm-hmm. I think they might have got wiped out if they happened. So it's like one of the few ways you could actually wipe out Space Marines, right? When they fail morale. Um, so... Maneuvering mattered, and all the big vehicles had facings, so that ended up mattering. Um, it still had terrain rules, so you know the terrain kind of placed them in, right? So they, they don't get cover and stuff uh, mattered. Um, so I do feel like move and and the board, they had less models as well, so maneuvering around them was easier and more rewarding, I guess. And hiding in terrain so that they have zero visibility mattered a lot, I guess. Although I guess it still matters in the new one, so that's not really a change. Yeah, so the other change, I guess, is when you do damage vehicles, before mm-hmm. just there'd be more mostly outcomes. 
and if you got the really bad outcome, uh-huh. the thing would explode. But in yeah. the new version, they're basically just loaded up with wounds. Yeah. So I, the the new, if you're talking about fifth to eighth, what do you think about that? So right now, the, the large vehicles basically have a degraded a degrading profile. Mm-hmm. The more damage they take, uh, the the more their profile gets worse, and that's how they they kind of show that, as opposed to like the all or nothing version of the old one, where like if you penetrating hit, then your tank is likely to blow up, right? Um, now it's like it just kind of degrades. Yeah, so I like that because it's easier to keep track. It's easier to keep track of, because when you take certain hits, it'll cause certain effects on your vehicle, and you have to keep track of all that. Whereas now mm-hmm. you just keep track of one thing, and the fact that it causes problems to happen with the vehicle still gives you that fluffy effect of like, okay, this doesn't work as well anymore. You can't drive as fast anymore, but without having to do as much book work, bookkeeping in the middle of the game. So I think it's okay, so you like that. Mm-hmm. How about thematically? It's not as just theme-y. different. No, it's not as themey. It's just easier bookkeeping. Okay. So it's like a, a, a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah. What did when... you think about the vehicles not having facings? Like, for example, you, you drove up the battle wagon, right? Right mm-hmm. into the middle of the board. And you're like, oh, how's this going to face? And I'm like, just face it every way, any way you want. The, the, the battle wagon literally mm-hmm. did a, what is it, a 270 to, to fit just start in charging the spot it needs else. to go. <laughs> yeah, it's like, to oh, got to gotta turn around and charge someone who's yeah, now behind like, me. Yeah, skidded and slid out, right? So that mm-hmm. it could shoot a guy from, be, from one side and then, like, charge the other person. How did that feel in the game, even though it was like how you needed to do it to, to, to play the game as correct? Uh, what what did you think about that? Uh, I thought it making the game really quick to play. There's less like <laughs> there's less finickiness. You're not like oh well, was it facing this way? The previous turn you're not like oh I have to face it this way, so I need to, I can turn yeah. next turn. It's faster. It's not as themey, of course, but. It makes the game faster. Or maybe it's extra themey. You had a giant battle wagon, like basically drifting, so that it could hit the guy in mm-hmm. the right spot, right? I think the rules is like you can basically pivot on your on your center, right? So yeah. it's basically just skidding out, then then switching out and hit to hit a guy. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know it was skidding the previous turn, but it was skidding the previous turn. We just have <laughs> yes, to retcon exactly. to get to retcon the turn exactly. for what it was doing. You got to do what you need for the head cannon game. Yeah. So yeah. So I think. I guess all of these things have like trade-offs, good and bad, right? I think I think this is one of those these kind of things, though, that in some ways when I look back at it, it's a little bit of a death by a thousand cuts, because like we said, right? There's a lot of cleaning up rules where things are like losing a little bit of theme to make it a little bit easier to play, but there's so many of them, right? Any one is fine, but there's so many of them when you what you end up with is a game that is significantly less thematic mm-hmm. than third to I guess fifth because we never played sixth and seventh, right? Yep. Like it just all of these little cuts, like being able to catch someone when they break to like kill them from behind, right? Uh, facings for terrain, right? These these kind of skidding, all this kind of like things to make things easier. Some of them are like in some ways they're good, but because there's so many and because every single time you lose a little bit of theme, overall the game does feel less thematic overall right it's making it made a lot of these kind of cuts and some of them like i said are, are good and the board size and, and <laughs> the board size is good the morale i think overall was a, a, a nice clean way but even the morale which i thought was good in, in hindsight like after thinking about it i'm like you do lose that feeling of being able to catch someone and break the entire squad and then kill them which maybe maybe that is better 
Yeah, that might be. Right? It was very thematic. Falling back might be better. It's, there's more things to do, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Okay. So I think we went through um, all of the the good things we could think of at first, right? And uh, and I guess we'll get down to uh, a couple of uh, criticisms, right? Yeah. Half, half I don't, I'm page, just gonna yeah. say beforehand. This is not going to be a compliment sandwich. That's all I'm saying. We got we got the good stuff. Now let, let's get into uh, more about the meat of the game. We took a piece of luncheon meat and put it in the middle of a loaf of bread. Is that how it is? Or it's the other way around. I don't know. Oh wait, is luncheon meat good or bad? You just you just want the luncheon meat anyway. <laughs> if it's any good, I should be crappy luncheon meat. <laughs> I don't Maybe know. Now I buy fancy bread. I mm. uh, I like so the bread is is half it half the reason why you're eating these things so uh, i don't know okay all right so um first i want to go through the thing that made me hate this game spoilers i hated this game so (laughs) Mm -hmm. this game is so complicated and it took so long for us to play this game it took us two days to to finish the game and we didn't play the entire day right but yeah. we did have the expectation that we we're going to finish it the first day we played four hours and we still didn't finish it we had to come back and play another like hour and a half on the second day to finish it to be fair on the first day we went to a restaurant then we went to the game store then we like yeah yeah it, to split it up sure but like mm-hmm. and and to be fair like we had never played ninth edition before right and we had to do a lot of rules lookups right yep. but it was so long and so painful and trying to read that freaking book and learning the game like i feel like if you learn this game from the book good fucking luck it's terrible like i think this is a running theme with all of the games workshop rule books these days like they're just terribly written yeah the book was not easy to understand for the outcomes you'd get yeah. In every situation, did not. I will say the first 200 pages of the ninth edition rulebook are great because that's the fluff and that story and beautiful art and pictures and stuff like that. that. Those 200 pages are great. Once you get to the main rules, one of the things that I was really surprised at, and I have no idea why they they did this, is that they removed most of the examples and they removed every single diagram except for the terrain examples, which. I'm glad they have that. So they had like an entire couple pages to tell you to try to tell people you're not putting enough terrain on. Please buy more of our terrain. But like besides sales pitches to buying more of their stuff, there was no examples of, for example, movement, of charging, of consolidating, uh, of any of that. Right. There's no, no terrain diagrams and stuff like that. This you is just have big. to read their prose, which is not very good. That's a big book. There's no reason it couldn't have fit in there. They could have taken out yeah. a little fluff to make the game understandable. <laughs> That's the saying. best part of the book, so. It is. But they could have made the other part of the book, like, yeah. palatable. Sure. Sure, I think the last 100 or 200 pages is actually about hobbying, so maybe they could remove a little bit of that to put in um, more diagrams or something. So it was just... And then there's, like, little squares everywhere, which... I guess it's it's in infinity as well, but I I just don't like it. Um, is that there's important information in these little boxes, mm-hmm. and to me I kind of ignore them 
just to go through the main flow, right? But you better not ignore them because they tell you like important things like smite or like, I don't know, random other things that are super important that you can't avoid, right? Smite is for psychic powers and stuff like that. And then there are so many exceptions in these rules. So so th- that is just writing. Just the rule book is terribly written, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then you have to find where the exceptions are. Like you, yes. That's you don't know where the exceptions are. Everywhere. And it's the, the issue. Like when 8th edition came out, it was like they cleaned the rules up, right? Kind of. Right? And they had a new edition. So like they had a newly written balanced rule set for, with, with the indexes, right? And then, excuse me, uh, the game got more and more complicated, and they 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 figured out a bunch of breaking, like, like I guess issues with their rule set. And so what they did to fix that is they patched them with specific rules, and some of them are terrible. It felt like they're band aids, right, to fix fundamental issues, right? And instead of for these like edge cases a lot of them are edge cases and instead of saying like these are the edge cases for this kind of thing so we can we can um compartmentalize this thing right so like for example there is this this issue with charging charging and attacking in close combat units that are on a building right so you basically can't do it right no If, if they're five inches above you can exactly Mm-hmm. That specific rule was put in on ninth edition to fix the fact that you cannot charge uh, someone on top of a building, but it makes no thematic sense. Why can you like shoot uh, shoot someone close in close combat five inches up? It's specifically to solve the issue that you could not attack someone who was because you can't get your like, base on up a there? building because you can't you've nowhere to put your base. Mm-hmm. Exactly right, and I feel like first of all the thematic thing is just allow people to attack while they're on the building, like scaling the building and saying, mm-hmm. say you can attack them there, um, which is at least thematic, even though it's impossible to actually put your models there. Like it makes it at least thematic or because you're trying to solve the specific case. Like if you read this rule book, you would not understand why you can attack someone within five, five inches up. Right. So you can be, so when you're fighting on a, a flat plane, they have to be within one inch. But if one guy is five inches up in the air, mm-hmm. you can still fight them as long as horizontally you're within one inch. That makes no sense. It's like yeah, video it's, game logic. Yeah, it's a simplification. It's a big simplification. Like but... your thing, when you read it, you'll be like, what? what the fuck? This doesn't make any sense, right? Instead of specific... So it's just confusing when, when someone who's new, who doesn't know about this, reads this and like, why can you do this? It just makes it harder to understand. It makes it feel like it's just some random rule they put in there. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they should have done, in my opinion, is if there's an issue with charge, with a specific issue, right? The specific edge case, which is, I guess, not an edge case. It happens all the time. But with specific edge case, instead of baking it into the rules that you can fight someone five inches above you, uh just say that you can attack someone like if someone is on a building you can attack them right if they're up, up on a building for so if you get to the bottom of the building you can attack yeah. the top of the building as long as it's less than it a makes, certain height yes well, actually, it all makes train- it a lot easier for pers- per- a person to understand if you tell them the context of why you can attack someone five inches as opposed to just saying by the way you can attack someone five inches up mm-hmm. like it's just out of nowhere it's not. It doesn't make any sense logically, and it makes it harder for someone to remember, right? 
Where if you said, oh, if you ever run into this issue, right, this is your edge case, then here's the solution. That would be a lot cleaner, a lot easier to understand, and a lot easier to remember, right, than putting into the main rules. And I feel like this kind of thing where they change the main rules for an edge case is scattered out throughout the entire book. Yeah, well, they knew there were problems. They just didn't use the right solutions. And the game yeah, is so old, you think they would use... It. You would think they would find good solutions by a ninth edition, but anyway. Well, to be fair, 8th edition is the first of the... Like, 8th edition is a new game, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, this is technically only the second edition of the current version of Warhammer, right? Mm-hmm. This is the second edition. And there are some things that are better. Like I said, morale is way better than an 8th. Yeah. Oh, points that they also changed uh the how you get command points which is oh i heard that was terrible in eighth yeah it was was the opposite of of what you'd expect yeah so they actually just did the logical thing so the less we talk about that the better it's just that getting them is better but like this is another thing like in terms of just the rule book being written badly and we're just trying to figure out how many command points you get and everything like that right there's a there's a basic rule that says basically your warlord can ignore like gets their so so every single time you buy a division you it costs command points but the one if your warlord is in one of the two main divisions you can gain the points costed for taking that uh division right okay. what's the most like you gain back the points after you bought it. That's so, the rule. so it's free. That's called free? Yes. So Or the one with your warlord. And it would have been so much easier to say, you know, do you have that rule there as opposed to having it scattered? Just saying, like, the warlord, whatever your warlord is in, it doesn't cost points for them, right? And that's, again, this is one of those things where they tried to abstract it to make it a general rule, but by doing so, making it made it more complicated. Because the thing they're trying to do is say, whoever your warlord is in, you get a you get a free division where you don't have to pay command points for that. Just say that as opposed to saying you gain the points back and then every single division, only a couple of divisions, by the way, have that rule. Hmm. Okay. But I'm just like, why don't you just give to everyone? What would be the problem of saying any one that your warlord is in, you get the command points back? Because those are the two most expensive divisions as well, right? So it's just it just makes no sense. It's just terrible, like terribly written, not well thought out in my opinion. Uh, and I don't know why they did it this way. I don't know, maybe they're rushed. Like again, you know, this is the thing with 40k games or, or Games Workshop games is they have no editor, or maybe they have an editor, but the editor doesn't have enough. They have time no power. Yeah, maybe they have no they, power. Or they don't. They, they have no time. Yeah, it's like we just finished this rule back book uh, and we got to publish it tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the editor's like. Okay. This is what I assume is happening. I don't know if this is actually true. But if we give them all the benefit of the doubt, someone is dropping the ball. And maybe it's just deadlines. Maybe it's like maybe. they finished the book the day before. They haven't even playtested everything. We're like, we barely playtested these rules. We playtested it. We changed these three things. We couldn't playtest the change. Just push it to printers. And yeah, the editor is like, hard date to have to one day mm-hmm. to change it. And they're like, you know what? This is a Friday. I'm gonna let's go up for a pint instead. Just print it. The the, the, the players will buy it. It'll be mm-hmm. fine. Just don't tell them what's in it. Don't preview it too much. <laughs> Luckily, the art and the fluff is great. So as long as you concentrate on that 200 pages and and every single codex, you're good. Yeah. 
So on the note of the command points, which let you do like special things in the middle of the game, which wasn't in the fifth edition. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it helped that much to add it, because it lets you do like stratagems, which are special abilities that work in certain situations. But th- I like them. I like. I like them. the idea. I, I do think like the, the implementation is terrible. Yeah, exactly. The fact that you can use any of them at any given moment. There's just so many of them, and they're also scattered around between the main rulebook, the codexes, and there's just mm-hmm. too many of them in play at one given moment. So, and just the fact that you have an opponent and you need to know all theirs that could be in play if you want yep. to feel like you understand the game. The fact that they're unlimited, just it falls into there just being the whole theme of 40k having too much in it, and they're just not yeah. willing to trim it down. So those are one of the things where I saw where maybe if they trimmed it down to where you had to take six for your army or something. Yeah. So at least you could tell it your opponent what so they are. It would be so much better. It would be amazing. So this is one of those things, right? They're supposed to be stratagems, so they're supposed to be tactics. Mm-hmm. If you chose a certain number, let's say six, four, whatever, six, you only can use those. You can have your huge list, and then you have six that you take, and you don't have to tell your opponent until you use them what six are. Yep. That becomes more interesting, not less, because when, okay, when, when you have six, the, the, your opponent is going to be like, you can use any, right? They, they can have any. But once they you've used three or four of them, right? Suddenly they're like, oh, well, they've used these ones. They only have two more left. And I'm sure that they're, you know, with their army, they're going to use this one. So now I think the only strategy they're going to have is this one. That kind kind of thing, which is next leveling, will feel interesting and exciting for the pro players, the people that want to get super deep. But it also makes it super much easier for your opponent and your the player who doesn't know and just gets surprised, right? So actually, you only have to look at six, right? And you have yeah, to, just, to just... It's another barrier of entry thing when there's like yeah. 20 things you've got to memorize to feel like yeah, you're so playing much the game properly. It's so much easier for you to understand even when you are not next level with the opponent. Right, even when you don't even know what they're going to use until they use it, like it feels less bad because nobody knows. Like out of the six, six out of however many you could actually take, right, the, the ones you're taking, or however many it takes to make it feel like there's some sort of constriction, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, we only played it like once, and you know, I, I played eight, you know, a handful of times. Um, I don't know how many actual stratagems are actually useful, but there should just be some limit where you can only take like let's say 50% or maybe 60% of, of the useful stratagems. So you cut out 30% of the useful stratagems, right? Um, yeah, that just that would make it. Again, it's one of those things like you talked about. There's just too much stuff, and it's one of those things where if you if they had limited it, like less is more, right? It adds more next leveling. It allows players who don't even participate in the next leveling part of the game because they're they're new. They only have to remember or understand six of their own and six of their opponent. It just dials it back down when you're actually playing to a manageable amount, but allows you to feel like the world is your oyster because when you're building your army, you can have all any of you can use any of the stratagems. You can have a million stratagems and you just choose six, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you know for like a, a card game then, right? You choose which of your six are you going to use, and mm-hmm. it will really even make your army even more thematic, right? Because you're saying, oh, my army, when I run my army, I have these six stratagems that I will bring, right? It adds more themes. And you know, like, 40k players, they love to be super special snowflakes, right? Yeah, they if you want, want to change your like, you want to change your army, like, quickly, too. You don't do guys. You can kind of change that part. That's true. So. That's true, yeah. You could do this kind of thing where your stratagems basically choose, uh, you know, 
to, to specialize your your army. Instead, what for, what Ninth Edition did, which is is they gave like a bajillion different ways to customize your army. And it's so annoying because they're like four, it's like three or four different ways that you can customize it. So you can choose your units, right? And then you you have your so in the eighth you had you chose your unit, you chose your uh, like fact like sub faction type, right? And then that gives you like two special rules and a couple of special stratagems. And then you chose your warlord trait. But in the new one, they also added, like, you could replace some of your units so they don't take your sub-faction and they get a special sub-faction. Then you could get special upgrades for vehicles, which for some reason, those upgrades for vehicles are not listed under the vehicle, but there's a, they're an extra sub-vehicle thing. And then if you took a big mech, you had some big mech extra stuff. And I was just like... There was a lot of different tables and to choose from. And then there's relics. There. Just like so many different special things. And they were not any different than just having them as options under that unit. Yeah, and they gave each unit half a page. So it's not like they were dying for space to put these things in. Yeah, exactly. But instead they just spread it out as four or five different types of ways to tweak your army to make it your own special kind of thing. And a lot of them were had like minor differences. The major change you did was... The upgrade on your warlord, and the the basic upgrade on your warlord is: Do you want to make him more killy, more survivable, or more support? That's basically the three different things you do on your warlord, right? And then, uh, and then for the then the other main thing is your subtype, right? That's the major change you do: is you choose your subtype, right? And then you have all these minor things that, that I feel like they didn't add much to the game, if anything. No, also no, made it more complicated. And then on top of that, so you had, so just building the army is more complicated for no reason. But then for you when you're playing the army, so I built both armies, right? Because these are my models, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you figured it made more sense for me to build it with, with knowing what kind of models you could take. Um, but for you playing it, again, this is an issue for looking up the rules. You had to constantly jump around because each of those upgrades was in a different section of the book. Yes, it was. Eventually, I started to figure out, like, oh, this is in the first couple pages. Oh, this isn't, like, in the model's rules. Oh, this is here. You wouldn't know just from reading the army list where to go looking for the rule. Yeah. It was just, like, the books are terribly written. I don't know what Games Workshop is up with, but, like, they really need a writing editor. Maybe they have an art editor. Maybe the editor is just for the art, which is (laughs) why all the books look beautiful. But they just don't actually look at the text so, so so nothing ever looks that great although i will say the ninth edition or codex is a lot uglier than the eighth edition or codex it's a lot worse in my opinion graphic okay. design wise mm-hmm. not just useful wise which we already said is terrible uh but actual graphic design just the look overall i thought it was a lot worse there is one thing I just want to mention, and I don't know how many other people this bugs, but I'm pretty sure they changed the color of black <laughs> in uh, Ninth Edition to be off black, and it makes it harder to read. Because all the backgrounds are like a shade of gray. The the backgrounds are no longer really white or whitish; they're all like a more yellowish stuff. But they increased the brightness of their black, so. Sure, for like just general look, 
it's fine. And, uh, and there's a lot of argument to say you should never have pure black unless you want it to be easy to read. And so they've sacrificed ease of use for something that's a little bit prettier. And that really, really bugs me. Like, it is too bright. The black is too bright in this in these books. Like, I mean, yeah. it's fine to make it a little bit more gray, but this is way too bright. And it, with the darkness of the background, this is a serious issue. It's not as bad as Necromunda, where the background is so dark it's just hard to read, <laughs> and the, the text is so thin. It's it's like uh, being in it's like being in Hive, like whatever. Yes, <laughs> where the lighting is just not working. Yeah, right? I can accept that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many podcasts talk about like that detail but the black sucks i'm just saying if you are writing a rule book legibility is number one for the rules okay. yeah yeah for the rules you can have your titles be different colors right mm -hmm. or your your fluff text and your art and the things that is just about visual like uh presentation and a poster that kind of stuff but for the actual written rules you need to make it as legible as possible because you're writing a reference document it should be easy to read Oh, and don't use the tiniest font you can as well, yes. which they often try to do for no particular reason. They're just like, oh, uh, Otherwise, the book would be a thousand pages, maybe. So but, maybe that, that makes some sort of reason why they did that. Oh, I guess. But, you know, people might want to read the rules. But if you use font 8, you know, you won't have to worry about that. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, okay, so... Enough about the rules. The rules are all badly written. Don't buy the codexes. They're all ripoffs. They're also super expensive for some reason. I don't know why they're so expensive. Um, and the reason why you don't have to buy these rules is something we figured out near the end of the first day. Is There's this website called Wahapedia. Mm -hmm. W-A-H-A-Pedia. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is some Russian site. So thank you, Russia. Um, that so has all of the rules for ninth edition and also also kill team second edition and age of sigmar mm -hmm. written and and like written up and like and done into a website so you can jump to different sections and you can and for the things that we talked about that's really annoying is stratagems is that if you jump to a unit on wahapedia it lists at the bottom the stratagems that that Available? you can use cool so it makes it so much easier to use. And once you started using that, the game picked up a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you want to support Games Workshop, you can buy the codex, look at look yeah. at the art, and then put it on the shelf exactly. and never use it for your game. But even though eighth edition codexes look better in my opinion, but yeah. mm -hmm. you could buy an eighth edition codex. Who cares? You're not going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, exactly. Ninth edition codexes are all washed out, terrible. Um, but. Yeah, so if you're going to play, you don't even have to buy the codexes or anything like that until Games Workshop is able to shut Wahapedia down. I'm sure that they would want to. Or maybe they don't want to. They're like, they maybe that's the reason why they don't do any editing. They're like, eh, it's all going to go on Wahapedia anyways. So who cares? Just mm -hmm. type it up enough so that Wahapedia can put it into their into their HTML document so that it's easy to jump to and everything like that. Um, and then we don't have to worry about it. And maybe yeah. that's why. We don't have to worry about putting things online. Yeah, someone else will do it for yeah. free. I think they have some sort of uh, app, but I so that that has all the rules. But you have to buy it and then then put in the code in your book. And I heard that their app sucks ass. So um, yeah. So I've heard people use Wahapedia is very good. Mm -hmm. I've it's heard people usually on mobile than it is on on desktop though. Yeah, I've heard people use an app for another thing as well in the game. 
that I found was also too much, and that would be the the buckets of dice that sometimes come up. So oh like yes, the 40, 40 this plus is dice. an issue. To be fair, this is a has been an issue since fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. You think, you know, the armies just tabs. got bigger, so that the dice just got more, and then the guns just got stronger, so they mm-hmm. just shot more dice. Yeah, you know, you need rapid fire, you need 20 guys in the unit, you need whatever. You need DACA on the guns. Yep. So, just the amount of dice was kind of ridiculous. Only for, like, once you you roll, like, (laughs) for orcs, you roll, like, a shit ton of dice, and they only hit on a five and up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Immediately, the first roll, only one third is left, and then you do, like, one half or whatever, and it just gets reduced down to, like, five or ten rolls, and you're just like... Did they did they really need that many rolls? Yeah, and and this the whole thing that's been there since the inception of 40k as well, where just to get a resolution for anything, mm-hmm. you've got to make so many rolls to reach resolution for like yeah. your shooting you and just attacks. You've got to roll the hit. You've got to roll strength against toughness. You got sometimes you got to roll armor. Armor maybe save. There's, maybe there's some re rolls going on too. It's just yeah. nothing. There's the extent there, there is re rolls going on. There are re rolls going on. Oh, yeah, there are. But just once you've played other games, you realize, oh, I could have a decisive outcome rather than being like, oh, right, time to just keep managing these dice until I figure out what happens. Yeah, In other games, you just roll a couple dice and things happen. Oftentimes, one roll is more exciting. Yeah. Or because it's like like you're playing craps. Like imagine in craps if you had to roll it five times before you knew if you won or not, even if the odds are the same. Terrible. Craps is terrible. Don't play craps. But like... Do you really, like, it just slows the th- excitement down as opposed to, you'd be like, okay, I'm ready, you roll it. And a handful, like we talked about, one handful is enough. If you need two handfuls, that's terrible, right? We ended up having, like, we ended up having just, like, a box that's with the clear top that we could just shake, like a pop-o-matic bubble, mm-hmm. and then had, like, 10 dice or whatever, 20 dice, and kind of added them in there to make the game go faster. But if you didn't do that, and if you or if you played an opponent in a tournament, right, where they're like, no, you have to roll it for real. Oh my God, it would have taken forever to count these things out. I guess basically you have to have special dice piles. Here's my ten dice pile. Here's my twenty dice pile. Here's my forty dice pile, and then you roll them. Like, it's just why? Why is there so many? Like we said, twenty is like the max, which is definitely not the max, and that's why people use dice apps. Right? Because especially in a tournament when time is of the essence, you don't have time to count out 80 dice. Um, so that, that's also takes you out of it being a miniature game by having to use like apps to play the game. So. Yeah. All right. So, okay. I will say one more good thing. I know I said said I I wasn't going to say any more about good things, but one this is like a good and bad thing. So one thing that, you know, with all of these random and, like, crazy special rules with layers of layers upon rules that really didn't affect anything besides making your unit be super special snowflake, like, how did you get down to the two wounds you cause when you shoot them? Well, one unit rolls a bucket of dice. One unit re-rolls rolls, right? (laughs) One unit does this. It all ends up to the exact same thing in the end. But, you know, you do it in your own special snowflake way, right? Uh. But it did. I did feel like the orcs and the Eldar did feel different and thematic in many ways. 
the Eldar did feel a lot faster. Like, like I put in a bunch of points in the Swooping Hawks, and we, th- we thought these rules were kind of stupid, but they actually were... They didn't make the Super Hawks feel like Super Hawks. It's basically every single time the Super Hawks shoot, after they shoot, they can reposition anywhere on the board. Mm-hmm. So they're literally jumping everywhere on this board, right? No other unit, as, as far as I know, does that, right? But it did make the Super Hawks feel super fast, right? They can still move too. So after they move, they end up somewhere else, and then they can move 14 inches, shoot, and then jump anywhere on the board, which was, I thought quite like it it felt thematic right mm-hmm. and then the orcs uh they hit super hard in close combat and they changed the toughness now to toughness five right they have i think they have worse armor saves but their toughness is now five which i thought was it did you know the variance of the static profile of the base profile made it more interesting right yeah because you had and like the fact that they lead into but, that mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I did feel like the forces did feel thematic and different, but just the baggage and the way they went about it was was terrible. Like just way too much stuff going on and and more like like to me the big things that make orcs orcs is just like I guess you have toughness five, they hit harder close combat, right? You got lots of them if you want. And you got lots of them. All of this extra stuff, did I did we really need that? to make them special? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but, I don't know, I guess, because they have so many factions, everyone has to be different in a different way, just so they feel different, right? So, I don't know. I, I In the end, I guess this is kind of like a, a counterpoint. It's like, I guess they got something out of how complicated the game is, right? Not everything. I guess this is a, a, a complaint we had with Kill Team as well, right? They concentrated a lot on making the game thematic, but they never went through the editing step, I feel like. Right? No, so they they, didn't it's like they went get... halfway, right? Yeah, go on. They didn't seem to get any feedback. Like, they came up with a lot of yeah. ideas. But it doesn't yeah. look like they ever got the refinement they needed to take out just yeah. the extra stuff or exactly. get rid of it's confusions. Like, yeah, it has everything in the kitchen sink. And they didn't go through and say, actually, it looks like these three things that we added are the things that made it thematic. Let's remove all the rest of the stuff. We don't need that stuff, right? They mm-hmm. never got there, right? And so what you end up with uh, is just like everything, an overly complicated game. So many rules you have to sift through, and you need some special like second-hand rules page to actually play the game in a decent amount of time, right? Just so that you can even see the stratagems, right? Even if you have other apps. I know there's like an army builder that people use as well, but I just hate it. So I actually, actually I forgot it as well existed. Battlescribe. Yeah, just the level of stuff in the game makes it a lifestyle game. Not that we're against those, because we've played lots of games where, like, mm-hmm. to define lifestyle game, it's where it's probably your main miniature game you play, and you've got to do a lot of memorization to feel like you understand the game while you're playing it, which we're fine with. Yeah. But it's just, do you get yeah. what do you get out of it for memorizing all this stuff? Yeah, and then you have all this memorization on top. And then the game just takes so long because of the ways that they did it. That if I, it's like they didn't care about the game length. Yeah. 
because if you're going to have like a game this this large, you need to streamline the game more so you can play it in a reasonable amount of time. Like five or six hours is not a reasonable amount of time for like your normal 2,000 point game. Yeah, well, they made Apocalypse, but they didn't push it. So Apocalypse is a, such a better rule set. We sh- we got to play that one day. Like Apocalypse has its issues too. Again, because there was no editors, but uh, Apocalypse is a way better rule set made to play at that size, yeah. right? So yeah, I mean the game looks cool when you put it on the board. But just yeah, yeah. That's the it. other thing. Yeah, halfway through the game, when I just took a step back and I saw the two forces clashing, right, where the orcs were basically smashing in, in between and the Eldar were, were stepping back and trying to surround them, right, mm-hmm. because they don't want to actually take the full brunt of the orcs. Like, seeing that felt great, right? Like, like it, it looked like that's what was happening, right? Yep. Yeah, and I, so I tried turn- playing around it, too, to be like, oh, I have another strong flank, so you can't just shift to the flank. It's like, oh, yeah. no, there's a huge battle on the flank. So, I mean, yeah. the whole concept of the game, there's there's a reason to have that type of game. I mean, it's going to take longer just because of the physical nature of having that many models. Yeah, just the number of models, yeah. But they have to work around that if they want this to be a real game. So, <laughs> As if 40K is not a real game. <laughs> not to us. Stupid, stupid game. Anyhow, on the note of saying that, who would you say this game is for? Not, Don't say stupid, stupid people. <laughs> you have to say um, something. Otherwise I think I'm gonna... it's for people who are entrenched in 40K. I don't think, like, like I think we mentioned, we just mentioned it, right? Apocalypse, with a couple of tweaks, is a way better game at 2,000 points, right? Mm-hmm. Um and this game is also, which we even, we didn't even mention, is I Go, You Go, which is stupid. And oh god, yeah. It, you can have some serious alpha strike problems. Um, luckily, we had enough terrain to like limit the alpha strike because there's enough terrain to basically you can't run draw a bead on everything, right? Mm-hmm. But just the fact that you can alpha strike, in my opinion, is kind of kind of stupid. Right? It's just a random rule you get, basically, as well. Right? It's like, did I start first, or did you start first? Okay, if we're both Alpha Strike armies, you know, one guy is just better. He's going to win, right? Yep. And Apocalypse kind of solves that. All these other games, g- generally other games solve it by being alternating activations. So even if you get the Alpha Strike with your strongest unit, they can counter, because you're not likely to Alpha Strike their strongest unit with your strongest unit. So there's a back and forth there, right? So... That's more of what's wrong with the game, not who it's for, but yep. Well, yeah, so, oh yeah, that's true. Sorry, I can't stop talking about different, okay, we could, well, there's a lot keep, of other issues with the game, finding okay? Things, yeah. You said a lot of stuff. That needs to be said, though. That had to be said. people who already have 40k armies, yep. and who don't realize there are other games out there that you can play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went for the stupid, you just rephrased stupid, stupid people. No, okay. no, no, no. All right, no. all right. Okay. Okay, it's for real, it's for people, so uh, that is actually for real. But <laughs> another reason is you cannot find people who can play other games, because the major reason to play 40k, in my opinion, is everyone else, it's the biggest kid on the block. And if yeah. you want to use the models that you have, and you, you want to have the most likelihood chance of playing a game with those models, and you don't want to have, you don't have time to build your own community... 
you play 40k because you want to use these models and nobody will play like for example one page rules or apocalypse or any other kind of version of these large-scale battle games where you can just port those things over right just everyone knows about 40k it's like the natural language it's like english is not the best language it's not the easiest to learn there's a lot of stupidness in the way that it speaks but like if you're living in the u.s or canada uh which we are it's the easiest because everyone kind of speaks it for some reason mm-hmm. <laughs> right just everyone knows about it so they're like okay so you just speak english when you go around right you have to use that so you've got to use the tools you have so for 40k uh i'll like most people will not play third or fourth or eighth indexes right Everyone will be like, okay, just play the latest version, right? It's the easiest path that you will most likely find players, and that's why you would play it. Well, technically, you play half an hour a game because the game takes so long. But yeah, what if you're I don't under- playing with your friends, I don't see a reason to play it. Oh, when you're playing with your friends, you don't see a reason to play it. What I was about to say is I don't see a reason to play it with anyone other than your friends because if you try it, like I see people playing it at tournaments, and just with the length of it, with the amount of like having to like just the fiddliness of the game doesn't it doesn't feel like you can even play it at tournaments it feels like a game you have to play with your friends just because the power weird power level differences where some things may be broken or you need to be house run into that right this is a first impression so like we don't even know if the game is broken i didn't even talk about whether the game is broken i felt like the elder and orcs feel felt balanced yeah it just doesn't feel like you could like reasonably so we don't know. Maybe if we played it more, like the Eldar won, maybe the Eldar are way better, and they will contis- consistently win. We don't know. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't seem like it's manageable to play at tournaments, or just like physically to bring it to the game store, set it up length of play. So I think you have to be playing it with your friends, like otherwise. And I also think you should have like something else to do, as you said before, about it being like, I go, you go. You need something you else change to change the game. No, oh, no, no, another version, no. another way for people who want, who really have an urge to like tweak their game rules. I think I don't even know if you would tweak ninth edition to make it good. No, I wasn't. I wasn't talking about tweaking it. I was talking uh-huh. about working around that, where you need to be doing something else at the same time as playing the game. Because with the I go, you go. Sometimes there's not much happening, so maybe you want to like. There's a lot of times where when your opponent has to move or do a bunch of rolls when they're like gathering their dice. Oh, that's true. Gathering their forty dice. Yeah, go to the washroom. They're re-rolling them. Drink. Yeah, get a drink. Have some snacks. Watch a movie in the background. Like that's. I spent most of my time just trying to read extra rules. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Once you got past that, though, what are you going to do in the meantime? So this. That's why I'm saying, like, I think you need to be playing with your friends. So you can just do something else in the background. I think if you're playing with your friends, you should try other games. Yeah, I I can say that as well. Even Index. I think Index. So so 8th edition, when it came out, was Index Rules. I think Index Rules are better than 9th right now. Uh, Except that they don't have as many... with, with With the two tweaks that we mentioned, morale is better... And the points allocation, like chart, is better than new one. For but I think that the index rules are better. But then if you're gonna do that, like 
but they're missing units, right? So people, if they want to play their new shiny whatever, they're going to have issues. So to me, if you're already kind of modifying those, might as well play Apocalypse. It's just better. Might as well modify Apocalypse a little bit to, to be able to play uh, 2,000 point armies. It's going to be a better game. Okay, so, so it, sounds like we, it sounds like we can't figure out the person who should be playing this game. I told you the person. It's the person that wants to play it. Like, in my opinion, I think I'm... I think that's the actually I think that's the majority of people who play it. The people who want to get games in with other people and they're just gonna use the, the thing that is mo- that most people who play forty K and, and love their forty K armies are going to know about. Like even I if I want a game with my miniatures and I want to go find a random person, right, who I can't convince them to play Apocalypse, I'm gonna be like, Okay, if I want to play with these models, I'm gonna have to play ninth. Right, it's the mm-hmm. it's the rule set that we agree upon. If we can't think about any other rule set, right? Like, what happens if I want to play Apocalypse and they want to play one page rules? Then we're gonna have an issue, right? Yeah. So then, I just go out and say instead of trying to run through those issues, I just say, okay, let's play ninth. And then once you've played your first game of ninth, then you talk about them and what, talk with them and figure out if you can play a different a different game with the same models, mm-hmm. either Apocalypse, one page rules, or whatever, right? Um, and, you know, like, One Page Rules has, you know, its own can of worms and stuff, and Apocalypse, Apocalypse is just better in every way. But, like, um, except for the fact that, well, it has some of the same issues, but you can't play a 2,000-point game without some modifications of the rules. Because they tried to make the Apocalypse rules uh, bigger, so that All right. I guess you won't cannibalize the old game. I don't know. But then there's also now this this new uh, Horus Heresy. Yeah, well, even bigger we're not, we're not going to yeah. play that. So we'll see if we have any comments on that in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. So, in the... Yeah. Um, so, for you, do you feel like you could be convinced to play 9th edition again and get a proper few games in so you could do a full review overall and you could go into balance and stuff like that or is this enough no i think just the basic i've seen enough of the basic rules i don't need to see the nitty-gritty of the game <laughs> you don't think that there's going to be new hidden gems going to reveal we there, there's a crusade version where you kind of gain experience for your units and gain even more special rules i think anyone who was listening noticed i already said there was too much so <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I I feel like I'm just glad that we got it over with and we, we played one game. In the end, I did have some fun, but I know that if we had played different games, I would have had more fun, and it would have been a lot shorter. So it was it was enlightening. That is that's what it was. Yeah, it's it's surprising to think like, wow, how many people play this game, right? And con- and continue to play this game, and, it, and mm-hmm. it's it's surprising that this game, in my opinion, doesn't convince people to try other things. But maybe more people are trying things because I think One Page Rules is is doing really well recently, right? Yeah, they, I think they they've basically gotten big enough that they're advertising on like YouTube channels and, and different channels to try to become bigger, right? Because now they sell STLs and things like that. So, Yeah, they seem to be the de facto alternative for using Games Workshop models. Yeah. 
I'm so, I'm sad that Apocalypse died. But yeah. All right. So that's basically it. That's our our initial and final impression of Warhammer <laughs> Forty Thousand Ninth Edition. Uh, if you want to disagree with us, if you think that maybe we didn't give it a fair shake, or maybe we are we 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 misinterpreted certain things. Oh, by the way, I got rules wrong. After all of that and reading so much, oh. I actually still got rules wrong, which is annoying. Well, and maybe if, if you want to guess and 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 maybe suggest that the reason why we weren't having that much fun and the game took too long is because I got the rules wrong, give us a shout. Tell us, or if you want to agree with us and you want to just like really go in and, and tell us about how ninth edition uh, hurt you personally and uh, and and cause your family to uh, your gaming family know, to break apart mm-hmm. yeah break apart then yeah give us a shout uh, you can uh, email us at uh, contact at diceovereverything.com yep or if you want to see our future thoughts if there's ever a 10th edition you know find <laughs> us on Facebook we're Dice Over Everything Group I'm still hopeful about 10th edition I'm telling you, man. Tenth edition. That's a big X. That's it's got to be huge. I feel like they're going to redo the rules, clean everything up. But if they don't do that, if there's if you can use ninth edition codexes and tenth, I will be super disappointed. Well, maybe they've bought themselves time by doing Horus Heresy, so they can like rake in some money, but then do yeah. some work in the background. Who knows? Yeah, I hope that ninth edition continues for a long period of time, and then tenth edition blows everyone's socks off. Because I'm never going to play night. All right. This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.